When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hello, welcome back. This is the follow-up episode to the first home buying episode. And in this episode, I'm interviewing Timber, who is a mortgage advisor. Timber provided lots of great information about how to get started on the home buying process. And I have to say, I really wish that I had followed someone like her on Instagram or talked to someone like her when I was first starting the process because the information she provided would have been really, really helpful in demystifying some of the things that were happening for me. I recognize that many of the issues keeping young adults out of homes right now are systemic and cannot be fixed without systemic changes. I also know though that one thing that makes it hard for young adult women like myself in home buying is the fact that we don't talk about this as an option for them and we don't talk about what it could look like for them. And so my hope is that the last episode and this episode will really get the wheels turning in your head and will really help you consider how this might look for you if it's something that matters to you. And I hope that this information that Timber provides will empower you to ask the questions you need and to advocate for yourself. I am so excited to have you here today on This Is Not A Backup Plan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I was so flattered and excited to get your invitation. So thank you so much. So today we're talking about buying a home, which is such a big thing for anyone right now. I think it's also a really big thing for single women because it requires rethinking our preconceived notions of who buys homes. And I don't think single women are a group who get very much of any attention on resources for how you make that big decision. You're right. There's not a lot of resources available out there to really give young women the knowledge that they need. And especially where we live in Utah, most young adult women aren't thinking about buying a home because that's not the life trajectory that many of us were raised to expect for our lives or even consider. And so I'll start out by sharing just a quick story or anecdote that a friend shared with me. And she said that she bought her first home. It was a townhome or a condo when she was in her early 20s as a single young woman. And her parents told her not to buy it in the city or to wait until she was married to think about buying a home. And she's glad that she didn't do that, that she led herself and figured out how to make it happen for herself. And she was able to buy 
a home, a, a town home in the city and be close to her friends and her job and her school and her life. And also that investment set her up well for her future, but she didn't wait until she had a, a prospect or a plan for marriage to even think about making that big investment in her future. I love that so much. And I'm so excited because today we're really going to talk about what to consider in figuring out if you're ready to buy a home and trying to like demystify a little bit of the process. Because the, I hear people say things about buying homes that I, that now that I have bought a home, I think I understand your thought process. I know what you're thinking, but reality might be a little bit different than you're anticipating. So I think that's something we should talk a little bit more about. But before we get too far down that path, can you just tell me a little bit more about and introduce yourself to my audience and what you are professionally, why is this your passion? Like you have an Instagram account with so many resources that are really aimed at helping women buy homes. So tell me how that came to be what you do. Yeah, of course. I am almost 35. I was born and raised in Utah. I am a mom of four kids. I'm a wife. I have an amazing partner. I had my first baby when I was just shy of 19. So like I said, there's a lot that I didn't do that I didn't know what to do when I was younger. And I didn't have access to resources or advisors and professionals who could really resonate with me or relate to me as a young adult and a really young mom. So I am a mortgage loan officer or a mortgage advisor, but I help people buy homes all, every day. And I work with a lot of first-time home buyers. Before this, I was a professional hairstylist, which is a completely different world. But a few years ago, I was ready to retire from that. I've done lots of other jobs over the years. And of course, being a mom has really helped me learn and hone a lot of skills that I think have been transferable to all the different areas of my life. So I never anticipated becoming a mortgage loan officer. I don't know that anybody really does, <laughs> but through a series of events, I was drawn to this profession and it was a little bit more accessible to me as a really busy mom who I also wanted to be able to provide for my family without going back to school for four plus years and getting a new degree and starting over in that way. So this career has been really empowering for me as a 30-something mother and I get to really advise and help young people on their journey and learning how to buy a home and if it's right for them and if they're ready for it and really understanding the ins and outs of it. And I really strive to be the advisor that I wish I had when I was younger. So that's what drives me and what I aim to share on Instagram, for example. That's so cool. It's so fun to hear like what a unique journey you had from being a very young mother <laughs> to and your career as a hairstylist and how it led you to something where you're empowering women and giving them resources that would not have been available to you when you were younger. Even though you weren't 19 that long ago, I think about it like you're eight or nine years older than <laughs> I am. But I just think there's a long way to go. But sometimes I feel like because certain things are so far behind in Utah, there are some significant gains made in short periods of time. And I see women who are like five or 10 years older than me, how different my reality is. And then women that are five or 10 years younger than me, how different their reality is than mine. Just things are changing quickly, I think, because of so many of the things that are being worked through in our community. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think another important and maybe unique 
situation that we have here in Utah is that so many young people and young adults, we all grow up really fast. And so it's easy to feel like a young 20 something who's just starting out in life and in your career and just graduating college, but also getting married and starting a family. I know that's true for a lot of people here, but it's not true for everybody. And it's, I think as a young woman, especially, it can be really easy to feel like you are behind in some way (laughs) or that you should know more than you do, but you really shouldn't. I mean, we don't have a lot of classes in school unless you seek out a specific class or credit in college about finance and how to buy a home and manage your money and your investments and really learn how to look at the bigger picture and how your decisions today will affect you in the future. It's easy to feel like if you're not prepared, then you can quickly get left behind, but there's always plenty of time. There are a lot of things that I'm learning now to implement in my life for my future that of course I wish I would have done them 10 years ago, but I didn't know any better. I did the absolute best I could at the time and with the information and resources that I had available to me. And so the best time to start thinking about your future and looking at the example of or buying a home, for example, is the best time is now to start thinking about it. Even if your audience is a few years away from that, it's a good time to start considering it. And there are some places in the country where buying a home for a young person might be too far out of their reach or might not make sense. But in Utah, there is a lot of possibility for young people to purchase property and really start setting themselves up for their future and understanding working with an advisor, a mortgage loan officer like myself or somebody else that they trust to teach them the process from start to finish. And also not only how to get to the point of buying the home, but what does that look like afterwards? What does What is their five-year plan after buying this property? A good advisor will help them consider all of those options and then what their next steps will be later on. I really liked what you said about whether or not you're ready to buy a home. Right now is a good time to start thinking about it. You mentioned that like I bought my first home a few years ago. And just like sort of context is I had graduated from Utah State University for about a year. And I was had just I had been working in the community as a journalist and I was taking a salaried position back at the university that would be a lot more stable, a significant increase to my income. And I wasn't thinking about buying a home. I wasn't considering that was something that was possible. I had no clue about down payment assistance. I thought that I would have to have 20% down. Buying a home on a single income is really scary because if you're in a dual income household or Even if you're a household with two people, that provides opportunities for natural diversification of income that are harder to acquire on your own. But two people in my life encouraged me. We started talking about that I could buy a home. And one of them was my dad, who has been like very helpful and like encouraging me to make the best of whatever my circumstances. And then one of my really good friends, she and her husband had just bought a home. And her husband was like, Maddie, you should really buy a house. Like, if you can do that, you should figure that out. And so those are the two people in my life that kind of started planting that idea. And so another friend who just bought a home 
recommended her mortgage officer who I didn't end up going with, but it was so helpful because he sat me down and he explained so many great things. He was just really kind, really helpful. And that's when I started to understand that it was possible for me like within the next few years, that was something I could do. And then even from there, we had a family friend who was a real estate agent and I just started asking her questions about what would this be priced? What would this be priced? And she's like, let's just see what you qualify for. And really quickly, I found out I was able to qualify for down payment assistance and I bought a home right before the pandemic started. And just as the process started, it was really scary. It was really big. It was really overwhelming. I also realized though, there were all these things in place to help me and that made it possible that I just would have never known if I hadn't started the process. And so I'm grateful people encouraged me to start the process. However, I think it would have been nice if people had been talking about the different options that were available sooner because I hear my friends say things that I think it might still not work out. It's still a big decision, but there are different things that can help you. There are different things that make it so it's not as daunting as it might sound. And so I just think where it'd be really interesting to start with you is what are things people can do to evaluate whether they're ready? How do they start looking at their selves, looking at like their assets, looking at their resources and saying, am I ready to start considering this seriously? Thank you for sharing a little bit of your story because I was curious what planted the bug in your ear and why you started looking in that direction. So yeah, let's go over a few basic tips to evaluate if you're even ready. And like we said, it's always good to start thinking about it sooner than later if you feel like buying a home is a goal that you have for yourself and you might still be a few years away, but it's good to know the basic prerequisites and requirements that I'm looking for in pre-qualifying somebody and assessing if they are ready to get the process started. So we want to see, typically we want to see a stable income. So if a person has a job and they have consistent stable income, a W-2 hourly paid or salaried job is really easy and straightforward for us to work with, but we can look at commissions, overtimes, things like that. But we want to see at least a year for a young first-time home buyer of consistent income. Preferably, we like to see two years. But if you're somebody who's just graduated, you were in school for a few years and you just graduated and you just started a new job, we can also look at that because we can see that, okay, you spent several years in school, probably worked part-time and made some part-time income, but most the majority of your time was spent in school. So we can also consider that in lieu of two years of employment. So it's important to understand credit and how credit works, how your credit score is calculated. But we also, for a young adult, we want to see a couple of trade lines, which means you have a credit card or a couple of lines of credit. Maybe you have an auto loan. Maybe you have some other type of loan. And there are different credit cards and lines of credit. You can get a line of credit through your bank. There are lots of different options to open up and have a few different trade lines available to you on your credit. And you don't have to use all of that credit. In fact, I don't want you to use all of the credit that is extended to you and made available to you, but we just want to see that you have some trade lines and you have credit available to you and that those accounts are staying open if you have a credit card, keep your balance under 30%. And really quick before we move past that, my understanding is typically lenders like to see or need to see three lines of credit, but that FHA, it can be okay to have two. That's something that I think can be hard for single women because you get to three lines of credit a lot faster if you're 
two people doing something than you might as a single person. Yeah, that's a great point. And you're right. We like to see three trade lines, sometimes two, and we would like to see those trade lines open for 12 to 24 months. So one to two years, just some basic that everybody should know is that credit is not bad. It's not bad to have credit and credit card and even debt. It's not necessarily bad. I think some of the misinformation or it's not misinformation, but information that I don't necessarily agree with that you need to be completely debt-free, that you need to put as much money towards a house as you possibly can. I don't agree with that way of thinking, but I do think that it's so important that young people especially learn how to manage their credit and their debt responsibly because that will create and instill habits in them as a young adult that will last them forever. For example, we didn't learn how to manage money or credit when we were younger, when we were teenagers, when we were young adults. So we made a lot of irresponsible (laughs) decisions with credit and money, and we've had to fix those over time and recover from those things as we've gotten older. And it's really hard to break bad money habits as well. That's one of the most important things that I would say and advise for a young woman is have open a few lines of credit, have some trade lines available to you because that will build your credit score more quickly as well. And also show a mortgage lender that you have been extended credit by other, by the bank or other lenders or credit card companies, and that you are paying it responsibly and managing it responsibly. And if someone's not sure how to do that, like I said, we could sit down and have a conversation about their specific scenario and what credit they're taking out and how to manage it. But general rules of thumb are to not use more than 30% of the balance on your credit card, pay it off every month before the due date so that you aren't paying interest on that amount and things like that. My number one tip, aside from establishing some credit and some trade lines, early so that you have those on your record and that you're building a history of credit for yourself is to save money. So like you said, it's not necessary to put 20% down on a home. Most people don't actually. And yes, if you put 20% down, it will save you in mortgage insurance, which can be a big expense added to your monthly mortgage payment. However, depending on the price point that you're looking at and what you're pre-qualified for, it's in my opinion, oftentimes people want to get into a home and buy their first home, even like a condo. Single family homes aren't necessarily the best starter home now for young people because of the market that we're in and because of where our prices are in Utah. Condos and townhomes are really great options for first-time home buyers and young women. And oftentimes those properties are also more in the city, probably closer to their job and their social life. And it's probably more conducive to their lifestyle anyway than a single family home in maybe the suburbs for a young adult. Back to my point, mortgage insurance is an added expense to your monthly mortgage payment. But if you can get into a property and buy your first property with less than 20% down with as little as three and a half percent down or no money down, because we have first time home buyer programs where you don't have to make a down payment or you can get assistance with your down payment or get it covered in certain circumstances, there are a lot of options available to somebody. And I think a lot of people, once they're presented with different options, like it will take you X amount of time to save up 20% for this purchase price, you're going to be at least a few years out probably from buying a property. Or you could buy something with less money down. You'll pay that mortgage insurance for a while, but you'll have an advisor on your side who will show you the value 
of making that investment earlier and how you'll get the equity that value will appreciate over time, oftentimes in a much more beneficial way than saving for years and trying to be completely debt-free and save as much money as possible to put towards a home. However, I still recommend saving money. So this goes back to learning how to responsibly manage your credit. It's also so helpful if you learn to save a certain percentage of your income every month, pay yourself first, which is savings, some money in investment, other investments that will provide you with compound interest over time, which is also extremely beneficial. So once someone has opened their lines of credit, established them, has some established income for a few years, has been saving some money, which, and I just will also say, depending on where you're at, you might hear these things and it might not be that you need to do them for a few years. It might be like, oh, like Mm -hmm. I've had a few lines of credit for a few years. I've had this job for a year. Like you might be a lot closer than you think. But once you've been doing those things and you're thinking you're ready, can you just talk a little bit about down payment assistance and different resources available? Yeah, absolutely. In Utah, we have a few different programs. There's the Utah Housing Program. That's a zero money down program. And without getting too specific and boring, there are several different options for down payment assistance. There are grants that would cover your down payment. A lot of times the way that works is that your down payment is covered with a second mortgage, basically, but you don't have to pay it back. So on paper, It looks like there's a small down payment being put down on the mortgage, but that is being covered by a grant that you qualify for or a program that you qualify for. And so it's still taking off that 3% or whatever it is off of your purchase price, like a down payment would be, but it's covered from one of our programs if somebody is eligible for that. And another option that I don't think a lot of people think about in Utah is we have a loan product or program through the USDA, which is the Department of Agriculture. And this is nationwide. So this is available in every state, but every state is different. These loan programs work for homes and properties that are in what's considered a rural area by the Department of Agriculture. And there's actually a lot of places in Utah that are eligible for USDA financing. And the nice thing about USDA financing is that it's a zero money down program. So it's up to 100% financing. And so there are a lot of places in Utah outside of the big cities in central Salt Lake County and Utah County. There are a lot of areas just outside of those places that qualify for this type of financing as well, which is really helpful for a lot of people because it's zero money down. And there's some other perks and things like that to it. But that's also a really good program that I don't think a lot of people think about because a lot of the eligible areas in Utah, you wouldn't necessarily consider them to be rural because they're growing, but it just is based on population size in a town or a city and first-time homebuyer programs specifically. There are a lot of perks to being a first-time homebuyer and a lot of programs available that Like you said, maybe there are trade-offs. Maybe you're coming in with a little bit more money, but the rate looks better and the terms look better and work better for you and your situation. And for other people, their priority might be coming in with as little cash as possible. And maybe their rate will be slightly higher or something else. A term will be different. 
But again, that's something that we evaluate on an individual basis with people as well, because we want to assess what they're, where they're at today, what their priority is, what they want to get out of it, and what their future plans are for themselves and their life and this property as well. Those are all important factors to consider. And like you said, a lot of people, even young people, don't realize that they might be closer to being ready than they think that they are. And the best way that you can evaluate that is to talk to a mortgage consultant or a mortgage loan officer. You can get pre-qualified at any time. You don't have to fill out a full application or submit all of your documentation or even have your credit evaluated at that time. But you can talk to somebody and have a consultation and evaluate where you're at and then they can help you. Another common term that I wanted to bring up really quickly is DTI, which means debt to income ratio. That is really big for us as mortgage advisors. We will look at everybody's debt to income ratio and it is what it sounds like. We're evaluating how much debt that you currently hold compared to your income. And we really look at monthly. We want to look at your monthly income and your monthly debt obligations. And we look at everything on a monthly basis. When we're pre-qualifying somebody, what their proposed monthly mortgage payment would look like and how that fits into their budget based on their income and their other debt obligations. And we focus really on those monthly things versus starting with a purchase price. So we want to look at your monthly budget and extrapolate from there to determine how much property and what purchase price you can qualify for. And so we want to see a debt to income ratio under 40% total. And about 10% of that can be debt obligations outside of the housing payment. So like a car payment or all of the credit card payments added up, anything that would show up on a credit report. So this is not including utilities, your phone payment, things like that. But A good rule of thumb is to think about if you're thinking about buying a car and you're going to have this car payment for four to six years, depending on what type of car you're looking at, you don't want your monthly payment to be more than about 10% of your monthly income. So that's a good rule of thumb as well, because I also know when you're young, maybe you have a job and stable income and you're maybe not thinking about buying a house yet, but a nice new car is also really tempting. But look at that monthly payment. What is that percentage of that monthly payment compared to your income? Because it could be really high and that could be the deciding factor if you are going to qualify to buy a home, if that's a goal that you have. We want to see your proposed monthly mortgage payment be about 30% of your income. And we also look at your gross income, which is your income before taxes. So another thing that's important for people to understand is that I might pre-qualify somebody based on their gross monthly income before they've paid taxes or any insurance benefits or anything like that that automatically gets deducted from their paycheck. So I might be able to pre-qualify somebody at a certain monthly payment based on their gross income, but we also want to look at how does that fit in their budget, in their personal budget, which is based off of their net income, which is their take-home pay. So especially with young people and first-time home buyers, I want to make sure that this huge debt that I'm helping them take on <laughs> and hopefully educating them on how to care for responsibly, I could tell them, great, you're pre-qualified for this much. Go get under contract, go buy a house. But I'm not 
doing my job fully if I'm not helping them look at their personal monthly budget, which is based on their take-home pay. And that monthly mortgage payment might stretch them too far based on what they're taking home. Because a lot of times we're paying taxes, but a lot of us pay for insurance out of our paycheck. Maybe we make contributions to investments and different things that come out of our paycheck. So our take-home pay can look very different from our gross monthly income. So that's something that's, I think, important to consider because sometimes people will get pre-qualified and say, oh, I qualified for this much. I can buy this much of a house. And they get really excited. But if you're not stopping to think about what that actually looks like in your personal budget, and if you can really handle taking on that payment, that's important. And a good advisor will help somebody evaluate something like that as well. I think that's really good advice because my feeling after going through this experience is that you can usually pre-qualify for more than you would like to be your monthly payment is my feeling is what pre-fault qualification is usually more than you want your monthly payment. So making sure that you're with someone that isn't pushing you towards the max, that making sure you're someone saying, this is what it could be, but what does it look like in reality is really important. And so I think it is so important to watch for what they're doing, watch for what they're saying, watch to see if it feels like it's in your best interest because not everyone has their best interest at heart. And this is a big payment. It seems like from what you're saying, if you're finding someone good, there's someone that's going to help you look at if you qualify. They're going to help you look at the different options you have. They're going to help you say, okay, this is where you're at. This is where you can get to where you need to be, or you are where you need to be. Here are your options. And let's make sure it's an option that is going to work for you on a month by month basis. Yes, exactly. And I think that you bring up a good point because when it comes to advisors or professionals in any area of life, so whether it's mortgage or real estate or other professionals, like therapists and fi- or financial advisors, whatever, you want to make sure that you're working with someone who really listens to you. You want to make sure that the advisor that you're working with is not projecting what they think you should do onto you, but they're really listening to you and your needs and your goals and then going from there. And you just, of course, want to get along with that person, build some rapport, feel like you can trust them and that they're giving you accurate information and they're always coming back to what is important to you and what's your situation and what are your future goals and plans. Because I wrote down a couple of common obstacles that I see young people facing, especially when it comes to buying real estate. There is just so much information on the internet and on Instagram and on TikTok. And so much of it is these bite-sized exciting nuggets, but it's just so hard to wade through all of that if you don't understand it. And if you don't understand what people are talking about and you can get really sucked in to the excitement of it all. And so working with an advisor and not just gathering as much information from the internet and then going to someone and say, okay, I heard I can do this. And I heard I can do that. The reality might look different for better or for worse. So it just is so important to have advisors that you trust and who are really listening to you and looking out for your interests and your goals and your desires. Something that you have been saying, but I just want to make sure is like very clear for people is you can go ask for help. You can go start talking about this process no matter where you are. If you're like, I've got one line of credit open right now, but you want to do this, you can go talk to someone. If you're like, I feel like this could happen, but I don't have the savings yet you can go talk to someone because a good advisor will 
want to show you where you are and show you where you can be because it is beneficial for them to support people in being able to learn about that process and being ready, like that benefits them. And if you go to someone and they laugh in your face, that's a great indication that you should keep shopping around. I have a friend and she is getting a like postgraduate degree. Her husband really was excited about the idea of buying a home. And she's just like, we don't have resources. It is going to be so embarrassing to go in. And I just told her, I said, it is in their interest to help set you up. And if they laugh at you, you just know you need to go find someone new. But people that are worth working with will be happy that you're coming in and will want to show you where you could be and want to show you what your options are. So if you're interested, you can ask questions, you can start. Even if you recognize you're not ready yet, you can go talk to someone and then have a real idea of what it looks like for you and a roadmap that's personal because it is such a personal decision. It is so unique on whether or not this is the right investment or the right choice for someone. Absolutely. I think that it's important to remember that the more that you talk about things like this, whether it's money, topics that feel taboo, if you're not ready to buy a home, but you want to figure out how to get there, and if you don't feel like you can ask anybody and shine a flashlight on those dark spots (laughs) that aren't clear to you yet, like you said, there are so many people out there. I know other amazing loan officers like We are all, well, not all of us, but most of us, especially the women in my profession, I think really speak to our clients or potential clients with empathy and understanding because we've been in their shoes before, especially young women. And just going back to finding an advisor who listens to you, you also don't have to go necessarily to your bank or maybe you start at your bank and maybe you got the information that felt helpful for you, but it also just fell flat. It's okay to shop around. It's okay to talk to a handful of different people, professionals, until you find someone who you really click with and you feel like you can have a real conversation with. Because also the home buying process and anything related to finances can be really vulnerable, especially if you didn't grow up talking about money or if your parents struggled with money or Maybe they were really good with money, but they didn't talk to you about it. There are just money is so emotional. And I think that's something that we don't address a lot either, especially for women. Money is so emotional and the decisions that we make around money or related to our money or our lack of money, it's such an emotional thing. And it can be really vulnerable to talk to somebody and to just lay everything out there for a stranger, your income, your credit, your lack of one or the other or both, or maybe mistakes that you're, financial mistakes that you're recovering from and things like that. I try really hard. And like I said, I know other amazing loan officers who try and do a good job of advising people with empathy and with understanding and without any judgment, you should feel like you can ask all of your questions without feeling like you're being judged or feeling shame about your financial situation or from wherever you are in this moment. The best we can do is just look at where we are and accept it for what it is and take the advice of people who can help us get to where we want to be. And the last obstacle that I wrote down was that sometimes one of the biggest obstacles for young people specifically is their parents. And I don't want to get in trouble for saying that, but sometimes for young home buyers and young women, especially again in, in our area, some people's parents 
maybe don't understand the market the way that it is today because it's so different than what they were dealing with when they were young and when they bought their first home. And so I know that parents, of course, have their children's best interests at heart. But if they're a little bit out of touch with the realities of our market and just our lives in general as younger adults and all of the unique obstacles that we're facing that our parents, quite frankly, just didn't have to deal with, if they can encourage their children to also seek out the advice and the guidance of other advisors outside of themselves and to know that there are other people that will have their best their kids' best interests at heart to advise them and guide them properly. And a lot of times for a young home buyer, I appreciate getting to work with them because it wasn't that long ago that I was their age. And we were first-time home buyers during the financial crisis, during the housing crisis of 2008 and 2009. We bought our first home during that time. And we almost lost our home during that time. It was wild. And we were really young home buyers and young adults. And just because I wasn't a mortgage advisor during that time, I lived through all of that. And I have that experience. And I have some perspective as an advisor now on what made today's current market and the housing market and things like that different than things were back then. Because that's Another thing that I think a lot of parents bring up for their kids is they have some trauma or fear or whatever from what might have happened to them as a family during the last housing crisis. And we want to encourage and remind people that it's not the same situation today. We just, I guess at the end of the day, I want parents to also know that there are a lot of people out there that can give their young adult child really good guidance that's also informed by the current market and we're not going to go backwards. I, I, one thing that I try not to do that I see happen a lot online is people comparing interest rates today to what they were 10 or 20 years ago. And today's rates are higher than they were two years ago, but they're still historically low. Those things are true, but also in context, our interest rates today are much higher than they were a year ago. And for people that weren't lucky enough to buy a home or maybe sell and buy a second home in the last two years, like that timing was pure luck for most home buyers and homeowners during the last two years. It was really an anomaly. And I could sit here and say that even though today's rates are higher and you missed the boat on those crazy low rates a year or so ago, our rates are historically low, yes, but we are also dealing with higher property values and higher purchase prices. And us as this younger generation of adults, we carry a lot more debt. We have all of these other unique factors, I think, that we deal with. And sometimes it's harder for parents or even advisors who are maybe a generation or two older than us to have some perspective on those things. So I don't really know where I was going with this other than to say, I think it's easy to hear things online and a lot of real estate professionals will tell you, maybe try to pressure you like the best time to buy is today and rates are still historically low because your parents paid 18% interest or something like that. I just, I try really hard not to do any of that because I feel like all of those anecdotes, when taken out of context, it might sound great, but it's just so important to evaluate each individual's circumstance and their context and 
it's not an easy time to buy a home. I won't sugarcoat it. It's not easy for a lot of people, but it doesn't mean that it's out of reach. And if I talk to somebody and they're not ready yet, it's not a no, it's just a not yet. And let's work together to get you there. Or a lot of people are actually pleasantly surprised to see that they could qualify right now or in the next three months. And they thought they had three years of preparation ahead of them. I really just love everything you shared because I have a lot of frustration when people look at right now as 2008. It was 2008 because like it's not the same at all. Like it was a different situation that caused the issues we were seeing then. And so it's not helpful to look at that reality and compare it to now because the global factors, the way interest rates are, the way Mm -hmm. the supply is, it's just not comparable. And I just think like at the end of the day, when it comes to money, It's really scary to start the conversation. It's really overwhelming to go through the process. It sucks to look at the numbers because I feel like usually the numbers of money are always kind of stressful, but it always feels better once you know what the reality is. And so if this is important to you and you sit down and talk with someone, you're either going to A, determine you need to talk to another person because you didn't like the first person. So that's a win to be weeding people out that don't work for you. And you're either A, going to be pleasantly surprised about where you are or B, come away with a plan to get to where you want to be. And so starting today, if it's important to you, no matter what your situation is, will pay off. Absolutely. You're so right. And If I could leave everybody with a final thought, it would just be, like you said, be willing to start the conversation and then also be open to getting advice and guidance from advisors and professionals and not just maybe your parents or your aunts and uncles or even older siblings. If you're a young adult, you might have older siblings who are a few years ahead of you, even Even a few years ago, things were different than they are today. And so I would just encourage everyone to, even if this is just, they're just entertaining the thought, it it never hurts to open the conversation and reach out to a few different people and start gathering advice, gathering guidance, start gathering a team of people around you who can really guide you well and get you to where you want to go or help you just see possibilities and visions for your life. And not everybody will maybe want to buy a home as a young person. Maybe they want to prioritize other financial investments, different things like that. And that's okay. It's never my intention to pressure someone into buying or to say, well, you came to me looking for advice. So we're going to put you on this path and you know, that's it. Like we, I think that it's, there's just so much value in exploring possibilities and seeing what's possible for you and what options there are for you think about yourself in a year from now and five years from now and what do you want to look back and thank yourself for will you be grateful to your younger self for having maybe some awkward clunky conversations about a topic that you don't understand you'll be grateful to yourself for at least gaining this knowledge and just being willing to explore possibilities for yourself and for your life. And I think for young women, especially, it's so important for young women to see possibilities and see options for themselves, maybe outside of what was presented to them as they were growing up and coming of age. I just think that it's like reading a book. It's like putting yourself in a world that you're so far removed from, but once you see something different or see a different possibility for where you could take yourself and where you could lead yourself in life, it's so, it's exciting. And there's so much power in that. 
I love that. You have a lot of resources that you've put together that I think could really help someone who maybe wanted to get some more questions answered. I am someone that like hates going into new situations because I'm like, I don't even know the vocabulary to ask the questions I need to ask. So I love to read things beforehand. So if people want to find you on the internet, if they want to see the work that you've put in, the resources you have available, where are the best places to find you? Yeah. Everybody can find me on Instagram, not really the only social media outlet that I'm on right now. I will admit I'm trying to be better about my static feed, but I post a lot in my Instagram stories. So I do a lot of writing and sharing tips, tricks, things that are on my mind, stuff like that in my stories. And I will be better about sharing more feed posts. And through my Instagram page, you can contact me directly as well. So you could send me a direct message. We could schedule a time to chat, but my messages are always open and I'm always happy to chat with people and answer any questions. So if someone just has general questions or doesn't know where to start, then they can easily send me a direct message on Instagram and I can help point them in the right direction or answer their questions. There's no dumb or silly question. I fully believe that. So Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm always happy to talk to anybody. And I am in the process of putting together some just like digital resources that have maybe really basic terms and key things to know so that at least if you are entering into a conversation with a mortgage advisor, for example, you understand debt to income ratio, trade lines, some of these terms that might feel foreign to you, but if you can just understand them really quickly, then you'll feel so much more empowered walking into that conversation. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Timber. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Maddie. This was so fun. I really appreciate you inviting me on your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Timber for her time. I felt really lucky when I connected with her. She was so excited to chat with me and really just went above and beyond to make this a helpful episode. I will link to her Instagram in the show notes so that you can continue to follow Timber and continue to be connected with the information she's sharing. You can follow me on Twitter at Madeline K. You can find this podcast on Instagram at not a backup plan. You can support my work on Patreon. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please rate on Spotify. Doing so helps recommend the podcast to other people. And it's really just my hope that the young adult women of the world, especially the single young adult women of the world, will be able to connect with this and have the resources that they really need to thrive. Please, if you're enjoying it, share with your friends, share with your family, share on social media. Send me a screenshot. I would love to see what you're liking, what some of your favorite parts are. And until next time, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.